<laughs> Gosh, John, I forget how good you are at karate. That's incredible. I know, man. I mean, it's all about the right belt. It is. Timing you know? or your leather belt. Exactly. I, I feel like maybe, is that not, that's what you meant. Not really, okay. but speaking of, oh, Dave, wow, I'm yeah, just yeah. going to try to transition to okay. save you. <laughs> Finally, Dave, Yeah. warm spring days are arriving. Oh, Am I gosh. right? Isn't it great? You know what? I need a new pair of shades that I don't have to baby. Do you know what I'm saying, John? I don't want to take care of them. Let me put them on, take them off, and not have to worry Look, about it. Hey, Dave, I know exactly Sorry. Sorry, what I didn't you mean. Sorry, I didn't mean to rant. Knock around is the solution. They've been making high-quality shades that don't break the bank okay. since 2005. Oh, wow. And they've actually been my personal go-tos for years. Oh, yeah. I love Knockaround, John. They have over 20 different frame styles, so there's something for everyone, including tons of kids' pairs. That's right. So whether you're looking to rep your favorite sports teams, mm-hmm. you know, like you're a sports guy, mm-hmm. <laughs> spend some relaxation time in the yard, yep. or cruise down Broadway with the windows down oh. like Dave does uh-huh. all the time. All the time. Every Tuesday and Thursday mm-hmm. and Saturday. Mm-hmm. Knock around. That's what you need. Yeah, yeah. All of their lenses have UV 400 protection, which is basically like sunscreen for your eyes, which, by the way, I've tried that, and it hurts. <laughs> Use the sunglasses, everybody. With polarized adult pairs starting at 28 bucks. you can get a few pairs to leave in your car, toss in your beach bag, or lend to a friend in need. Dave, that is such a good price I that I might buy a pair just to intentionally lose them. I don't love that logic, John, but I know, you do but have a history of misplacement. It's not around Don't fight me because like of the karate stuff. But it could so. be perfect for you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, Dadville fans, don't squint through family beach days yeah. or trips to the park. Check out knockaround.com and use the promo code DADVILLE15 for 15% off your order. That's DADVILLE15 for 15% off your order at knockaround.com. Hey everybody, this is John McLaughlin. This is Dave Barnes. And welcome to Dadville. Dadville is a podcast where we talk about life, love, and the pursuit of awesome dadding. We are really, really excited about this episode. John, do you remember when we found out we were going to do an episode with Tony, how excited we both were? I didn't believe it. Yeah. I, I, I went through <laughs> all all the stages of grief for some reason. Yes, I remember that. Because I was grieving how in denial I was. Yes, that's right. It, it, I it's thought there's not no way. a river in Egypt. Uh, Egypt. 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 <laughs> I prefer not to put the T. That's a long... You don't have time for that. I d- thank you. I'm moving on. But, you know, Tony, um, we both have been fans of for forever. I remember before even being married, my best friend Micah was like, you need to watch this show called Arrested Development. Yes. And for some reason that I don't know, I did not do it. <laughs> I did not. I literally remember being, It was. I think his passion made me not, this sounds terrible and maybe it's like a peak in my brain, but I remember thinking like, no, you, you're, this is too forceful. See, I have that reaction when people come in that hot yeah. on something. Yes. I think I feel like, if you're right, this is going to throw my whole life off. <laughs> yes. and, I, I don't, and I don't even know what you're talking about. And if you're wrong, I don't trust you anymore. Right. And then we can't be it's friends. It's kind of a no win. So. so I just remember Micah telling me, and I was like, and he's like, dude, and I, for like a month, he was like, you haven't, why are you not watching? And I was just like, I don't know. I just feel too much pressure. Yeah. But I remember when I finally sat down to watch it, and I think I binge watched it over like a couple of days, because you could buy the DVDs at this point, and thinking, whoever is playing Buster Bluth is a genius. Genius. E- everybody on that show is a genius. But yeah. I just remember thinking that. That character was so nuanced and funny, 
And uh, and then years later, uh, Tony and I have mutual friends, so I would see him intermittently. And then I randomly saw him. I think it was like six months ago. This is before quarantine and everything was happening at an airport. Uh-huh. And we caught up for about fifteen. It was so random. Fifteen minutes. I was flying out of somewhere, and he was he had, he he was that morning too. And so he was just hanging out. He was. <laughs> he does that. It's a lot of character development. A lot of research. <laughs> Airports are kind of a hotbed. It's bed a gold for that. mine. It's for a gold character mine. development. Um, and so he. Um, we just kind of chatted, and so when we had the you know podcast up moving, I was like, "Man, he would be fun," and he was. I was so excited when you told me we were going to interview. I feel like his yeah. I now in this moment, I wish I would have asked him this question, but I just thought of it. Like, I feel like you see his character in Arrested Development, and I, I immediately think, I bet he's been doing that character his whole life. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, because it's such a. I don't know any other character. It's yeah. not like, oh, I see that that actor's kind of doing that angle. Yep. The like, you know, jock angle or whatever. It's just like, you can't even describe it. It's so good. And he was so kind. Yes. And funny. Super funny. And, you know, profound and sweet. A he couple of big takeaways for me from this one. One, how much he is in. You know, Tony is kind of one of those sneaky actors where... If you look at his IMDb or his Wikipedia, he has been in so many yeah. things. Yeah. Uh, you know, obviously people know him from Veep and, and Arrested Development and now uh, Archibald's next big thing mm-hmm. on Netflix, which is so funny and my kids and I love it. It's a cartoon. Uh, and I took a little video of all of our kids watching, watching Archibald and cracking crying. up yeah, and it was the it. cutest thing in the world. Um, but my other takeaway is I don't know that I've laughed in a singular moment as hard as I laughed in this episode when he talks about swimming. That is true. I remember I thought I may have to turn this off because I'm, I'm going to laugh to the point of embarrassment. It is definitely as hard as I've ever seen you laugh. Thank you for that. Yeah. But, you know, he was so so kind to oblige us, um, you know, in this weird quarantine time because we had to do the long distance video thing, which uh, he was in Birmingham hanging with some family friends. And, and there was a fly in in the room where he was That's the entire right. time, <laughs> I and I just want to say, that. Tony, we respect you for doing the show, but I really respect you for how Pushing focused yeah. he stayed. That's yes. a seasoned veteran, yes, right there. He, uh, we had fun talking to him about Hollywood and being a you know actor, being a dad who's got notoriety and fame attached to him, and how you sort of juggle um, that and the attention of not only your kid, but um, and his daughter in this case, but. You know, people that know who you are when you walk in places and how you juggle that weird thing, what it's like living in Hollywood as a dad, a man of faith. It's, it's a, I, I really, really, really enjoyed this conversation. Mm-hmm. It, it was meant great. a lot that he came on. So without further ado, mm. Tony, am I saying the right? Tony? It's Tony. Tony. Hail. Halle. <laughs> so if you don't know uh, uh, who Tony Hale is, what the... Is the matter What's happening? <laughs> Why am I even here? Also, also welcome to Dadville, and please rate and review. Um, Tony Hale, he started his career playing Buster Bluth on the groundbreaking series Arrested Development. Love that show. And mm. has since garnered two Emmy Awards for his work playing Gary Walsh on the hit HBO series Veep which I also love that show. I'm just going to say that after every <laughs> single show. I know, Some of his other credits <laughs> include a series of unfortunate events, The Informant, Stranger Than Fiction, Love, Simon, The Heat, Happy Thank You, More Please, and also just to top it off, 
uh, voicing Forky for the new Toy Story 4, which won Best Animated Feature. And to top off the top off, his children's book, Archibald's Next Big Thing, premiered as an animated series on Netflix last fall, and season two is streaming now. And I'm pretty sure it's literally streaming in my house right now. I think my kids are watching. Yeah, I know that it is in mine. Yeah. You can feel those checks coming in. (laughs) Oh no! <laughs> I went from yeah to no. 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 <laughs> so Tony, we always love to ask this question because I'm always fascinated by hearing because we we start with like these brag sheets. You know, there's always this fun intro where you know we kind of get to talk about what every guest is is. And that's not even everything, everything, guys. I've got pages and pages of credits that would overwhelm you. <laughs> But I humbly decline. <laughs> you did. But yeah. how do you feel when you hear that? Like when you when you sort of get to hear yeah. the, the flyover of these things you've been able to accomplish and awards. I mean, how, how do you like sitting listening to that? Like, what's your response? Mm, I don't. That's a good. Well, damn it! You started with a good question. <laughs> I was prepared for something I always answer. Um, I don't know. I don't know if you guys feel this way about your when you do stuff. I don't really. Do you have a, somewhat of an a, a detachment to it? Like, it's like you do the job, you're thankful for the gig. And then, like, if I, I haven't seen Arrested Development or if I watch anything, I watch blooper reels from things I do because that's what I remember. Yeah. Because I remember us cracking up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't yeah. typically watch stuff. I, I don't have an attachment to it. It's weird. I don't know why I wouldn't want to watch myself in an emasculated, beaten down state <laughs> on, a, on a daily basis. <laughs> Well, you should because it's awesome. <laughs> Thank you. It makes for it's really. I don't good. already feel emasculated enough. It's in my a life. role that I identify with yes. on a visceral level. So when I last saw you in whatever airport that was, you, you were telling me about Archibald's next big thing, mm-hmm. which that book is so great, and I can't tell you how much we, as a family, love this show. Oh, I mean, it is it is so much fun. Here, so the question I have with a show like that. It seems like to me one of the hardest things John and I were laughing about this yesterday. Seems like one of the hardest things you can do to me in sort of Hollywood is putting out something that both kids and parents like. What's the key to pulling that off with a show like Archibald's Next Big Thing? Well, first of all, I love working on this show. It is genuinely one of the biggest joys of my career. Um, I have a huge new appreciation for animation. It takes a long time to do. The first season took about two and a half or three years to make. Oh my God. Why does it take that long? It's like you do the writing and then you, and then they do like an animatic and then they send it off to animation, which was at the time in Vancouver. And then you get it back and you have to edit. So it's add music and post and it takes a really long time, but I love it. I will say... Well, the whole book started with this whole concept of not looking to your next big thing and because you look to your next big thing, you'll miss where you are, which was a big struggle for me because I have a being present has always been a very difficult yeah. thing for me to be. Yeah. And so the show, Archibald, is a, he kind of sees everything like it's his big thing. He's, he's always positive. He sees the best in everyone, the best in every situation. So there's this kind of undercurrent of joy that we always keep going. And then as we kind of layer it, I come from a comedy background. The other writers, Jacob Moffat and Drew Champion and Eric Fogel, they come from comedy. So we just kind of layer our comedy on it, but trying to keep it in kind of a kid land. However, since it's coming from us, it has a little bit of an adult edge. Kind of the jokes are, the timing is hopefully a little more mature. And so I think just with all those different layers, hopefully it kind of comes out right. Um, 
but I, I just that is one thing I would I like to watch over and over is Archibald because it gives me a lot of joy. yeah I, I would imagine and, and the the voice actors you have I mean it's it's you know it's it, you watch a lot of TV and movies when I recognize the voices which adds so much to that show. Yeah, like for, there's a doctor on there named Dr. Fluffberg who's not really oh, a yeah. great doctor. <laughs> he's, he, he likes to dance. He likes a lot of jazz yeah, and ballet. And that's voiced by Chris Parnell. Oh, love And that. it's just getting, you know, comic actors to come in and do that kind of stuff is really fun. And Adam Pally plays Archibald's brother, Sage, and he's so fun. Is, and, Adam is one of my favorite oh, he's actors in Hollywood. Oh, he's so funny and fun. Um, and we did this other show together called um, Crossing Swords on Hulu, which is a, which is really crass <laughs> and really the opposite opposite of Archibald. But he's on that as well. So it's like you know, it's it's fun just to kind of get to know, do a lot of stuff together, but have that just that kind of team of what we like. There's a lot of kind of comic voice actors that we all kind of do similar stuff together. I feel like Chris Parnell is like the king of the voiceover world right oh my gosh yeah he does he does a lot he's in um is he in bob's burgers i have to look but he's he does oh no he was in um what's the horse one will arnett horse one that was on netflix oh bojack bojack i think he was in bojack yeah i want to say i've never said that phrase or heard it i think he was in bojack (laughs) but it sounds like a really cool like some guy who has a gun in the woods bojack horseman (laughs) is supposed to be really funny yeah okay so i'm curious I'm always looking for like uh, overlap between the writer, artist, music world and the acting world and what you you do. So as you're talking about you and the other writers, how you're writing, I'm curious if it's the same here in Nashville where you'll be in a room with two, three, four other people Mm -hmm. and you kind of you're all kind of coming up with your lines, your your lyrics. Is it the same where like you'll have a line and you'll be like, oh, my gosh, what about this? Uh. And she takes the road. That's a, and that's exactly what we do. Right. I, I'll, I'll be, I'll be, I'll be reading an Archibald and go. Archibald should go. Hey, is that a carrot? Can I have it for breakfast? Because if you that's sing it, exactly it's more digestible for the other writers. But I'm curious, really like, is. is there that sort of passive aggressive kind of like? Oh yeah, yeah, something like that could be cool. Yeah, and you're like, no, 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 I mean that. <laughs> that is, oh no, that's actually exactly what it is. Because you go, sometimes you'll go, oh my gosh, that's so funny. What about? <laughs> <laughs> that's what. It and is. I also, like, feel, I feel like there's something, there's another level of vulnerability to it, for some reason, because it's not only is it like, oh, I think this is a great melody or whatever. That's less attached to my soul than comedy for some reason. I have not really been in a writer's room as much as I have with Archibald, but you have to die to your ego in a huge way because it is just constantly pitching out jokes. And sometimes people laugh and then sometimes it's just crickets and you go, (laughs) well, that one, that one didn't work. Yeah. Yeah. So you just kind of go, Hey, how about this? How about this? And then you'll see other people go, huh? Um, that is so, that's really, really funny. Let's, how about this angle? Even in the most heated moments where you're writing these, these shows, I mean, is laughter still the ultimate goal or, or can you land a line and people go, Oh, that's funny. And then you write it down. Yeah. Like you kind of get an energy of 
like there's a guy on the show, Eric, who is, he's pretty, um, he's not like I, I typically am very anim like my, my emotions are kind of all over the place and he's pretty kind of, uh, kind of steady. And so he'll just, he'll just be kind of like, that's funny. That's funny. (laughs) And then if you get get like a, that's funny. If you get, that's funny from Eric, you're like, Oh, well maybe it is funny. Cause he just won't. I will say this when I was on veep, Emmy nominated HBO show. Um, (laughs) we, uh, <laughs> um, no, when I was on Veep, um, Armando Yunucci, who directed the show, I learned a big lesson from him. I learned many lessons from him, but one of the big lessons was when I would do a bit or something, when I would do a scene, many times you're kind of looking to the director, like, was that good? Was that good? Was that good? And many times you'll get like, oh my gosh, that was so funny, or they'll be dead quiet. And you're just like, so you're kind of looking for these highs and lows to gauge your performance. Whereas Armando was constantly like, oh, all right. In his British way, it was like, Duh. so what that taught me, because I was very frustrated at first. I was like, are you going to give me anything? Yeah. Are you going to give me mm-hmm. like, what's, but what that taught me is to trust myself. So when I would do something, I learned to not be so dependent on the response and trust right. my kind of gut of like, yeah, I think that worked or I, that didn't work because I wasn't so needy for that you know, affirmation. Yeah. 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 Okay. So, uh, if we can just briefly, let's go back and get a general flyover of your sort of life, your upbringing. You were, Mm -hmm. you were born in New York, right? We're going to get into the trauma now. Let's get into the trauma. Here we go. But you grew up in Florida. Like, where would you say you're from? When people ask where you're from, what do you say? Well, I was a military brat. So we, we moved, I think we moved like seven times before I was in the seventh grade. Oh, oh my gosh. gosh. We were just constantly, we lived in, I was born in um, West Point, New York. And then we lived in Fairfax, Virginia. We moved to Germany and Berlin and Heidelberg. Um, we lived all these different places. And in the seventh grade, my dad retired as a colonel. And then we retired in Tallahassee, Florida. And so I kind of considered that as my, when people say, where am I from? I always say Tallahassee, because that's what I remember most. I (laughs) I genuinely don't remember anything from sixth grade down. Yeah, yeah. I have no, like some people are like, oh my gosh, my third grade, my third grade teacher was so-and-so. I I don't remember friends. I don't remember teachers. And I don't remember anything. And I'm like, was I ritualistically like... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it, a, a, attacked army. or something like what's what's it's going to all come out one of these days it's all gonna come Someone's out gonna but say my... a trigger word and it's just boom <laughs> exactly yeah, you're gonna be eating a qdoba and then you're gonna get a bite of a um, bean and just start sobbing yeah exactly but zone. my brother is the same way he doesn't have really any much of a memory anyway so most of my memories are when we settled in tallahassee so that's kind of what i say except for the way that germany affected that time in Germany affected your humor, which I know you speak about so much. Germany? Just the culture. You, yeah. you have a very German style approach to comedy. <laughs> Do I? Yes. Which I've, yes, yeah. we've I'm sure you hear that all the time. Really stern. Yeah. Very, yes, yes. Yeah. So, yes. and your mom was a staff assistant to state representative. Was that in, in Florida? Are you getting this on Wikipedia? I'm no, just we're making we're this up. Just making this yeah. up. Yeah, we sort of guess. <laughs> wow, you're good. But is that you're right? Get up because it's true. Um, <laughs> she helped out with a lot of campaigns. Like she helped out with uh, Bob Graham. He was a he was a Florida senator, and she helped out with his campaign. Then this uh, uh, Kathy Ash, who was a representative in Georgia, so she would kind of help out with these campaigns. 
I don't really remember much about that, but she she enjoyed it. I'm told I have a mother and a father. Exactly. It's still questionable. <laughs> but it's interesting, though, that she's so she's kind of in politics. Right. And your dad's a military guy. Yeah. So, of course, I mean, it's the obvious choice that you would then become an actor. Yeah. No, not only was he a military guy, he taught nuclear physics at West Point. Mm. Not only yeah. nu- nuclear physics, but uh, also atomic physics. Sure. Which I'm told is also physics. I don't sure. Know that's, <laughs> yeah. That's genuinely the first I've heard of it. Um, but um, I, so, I mean, naturally, I would be his child. Right. No, but he's actually, but, but fun fact, um, my grandfather was an opera singer. He also kind of emceed a lot of the vaudeville shows in New York. And then he moved down to Miami to kind of do the club scene. He died when my dad was like six. So he died very young. But my dad had a, I was grateful because not only, yes, he was from the army and he was a very, he's an incredibly intelligent man. But he, he had a real appreciation for the arts because of his dad. So I'm, I was grateful for that balance because he always supported me. So you going into acting was not a, was not a big deal. No, uh, no. It, I wouldn't say not. I wouldn't say not a big deal. I think he definitely was like, really, you want to, you know, he many times he would be kind of like, are you sure you don't want to do this? Or, you know, he would try to steer me just out of I would probably do the same thing. Sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. But he still let me kind of do my thing and try it. And both my mom and him were very supportive. When was the bug for acting? When, when did that happen? Well, when I moved to Tallahassee, my brother was very into sports. And as you know, in the South, uh, sports are like a religion. Yeah. yeah. So I was not into sports and my parents did not really know what to do with me or where to plug me in. There's one story where I was, um, <laughs> I was in a swim meet and I, like did not want to be there. And it was in the middle of the meet. I think I was the only kid who would, I would not wear a speedo. I was, I'm like, I'm not, I'm not, that's not touching my body. Um, and so I'm, I'm swimming and all the people coming in me, jeans, I'm swimming in full on jeans, um, me and my doctors. Um, but I, I'm swimming and everybody's swimming. And my dad said, I just stopped in the middle of the meet. And you know how those pools, you can kind of stand up just wherever you are. He said, I just stood up and my dad looks at me and he's like, what are you doing? And I just said, I'm exhausted. <laughs> Why would I? I and like, one by Why one, all the other kids doing? are like, yeah, me too. Why are we doing that? Can, can, can I, I stop? No, but like genuine people are just swimming laps next to me. And I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm I can't do this anymore. Um, so I just was not into, I was not into sports. I wasn't into it at all. And my parents found this theater called Young Actors Theater and signed me up for it. And I just, I kind of found my people. Did you ever have a moment in any of those plays where you did the same thing though? <laughs> You're like, God, I'm so sorry. This, he's doing great. Is anybody Todd, else hot? It, it's hot in this theater. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I wasn't prepared to wear this amount of costume. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I do have a lot, but I just want to stop for one. It is. Is it hot? Is it just me? Okay, good. Because anybody floor, else hungry? Just get a- <laughs> and if we could get I some could popcorn, I know it's not true to the period, but if I could get some popcorn, <laughs> I'm in the middle just- of Hamlet. <laughs> I could use a pepperoni slice right now. Anyone else? <laughs> oh my gosh, this is making me laugh really hard. So back with your dad. How, what was the relationship like there? Like, how, how did you guys get along? Is it, you know, what is that like now? 
We're very close. We're very different. I think just like any parent son relationship, it's grown. I, (laughs) the, the sad truth is I don't, since I kind of mentioned before about part of my story about being present, I don't have a lot of memories. And I think a lot of, I think it's because I was pretty checked out. I just don't, hmm. I don't know if it was because, because I've struggled with anxiety for most of my life. And so I think because of anxiety or something, I just was not where I was. I was somewhere else. I was either in a what if, or I was in fantasy land, or I was worried about what somebody else was thinking, or I don't know, I was just not checked in. So I don't really remember much. My dad was, they would always come to my shows and supportive and, but I don't have much of a memory, which is sad. However, you know, it's, it's a constant reminder, especially with kids for me to wake myself up because I'll yeah, totally. I'll be checked out somewhere else. It's it's my default to be checked out. It takes work yeah. to be checked in. Absolutely, no, I, I, that resonates with me a million times a million. I just I don't know what that phrase means, but I want it. I like it. Um, We're back into so thank, you. thank you. And by the way, I, I'm going to intermittently laugh. <laughs> you stopping it? <laughs> I can't stop laughing at that image. <laughs> you just you just stand up. In the middle. Yeah, I was done. <laughs> it's like, son, what are you doing? You're like, God, I'm so tired. <laughs> No, so I was funny. exhausted. I was exhausted. I was also the kid with asthma that just was had so many inhalers attached to my body. And I was like, I'm not even oh. gonna push myself. Oh, this is killing. I just love. I love. It's just so like beautiful and wonderfully sort of childlike. It's kind of perfect for characters I play too. I mean, Buster or Gary would do the same thing. <laughs> oh my god i feel like if me. i saw that as a parent and like i i actually swam all grown up my dad swam my brother swam. so swimming's a big you know we of course never never commit the ultimate sin of stopping in the middle of the pool <laughs> <clears throat> but you're a pariah i feel like if i was at a swim meet and my girls are swimming and i saw a kid do that i would genuinely i would be like good for them honestly Good for them. They're going against the whole system right now. Oh, yeah. And they're like, yeah. no, I'm not going to do this anymore. Maybe I'll do my next yeah. event, but I'm done with yeah. this event. I mean, I was a very needy kid. Like, I really I wanted to be popular. I have a story uh, I'll tell you in a minute, but I was just a really, really needy kid. And so it, I'm a, it really did show that my my physical uh well-being took precedence over like what people thought of me in that moment. Like I was like, my body's done. I, I genuinely don't care what you think of me, which is says a lot for who I was. I'm with John because I feel like at that moment, I'd be like, that kid's going to be president. Yeah. I don't know if it, it's of the United States, but he's going to be a leader. Of he's either going to be president or he's going to play 80 anxious characters for the rest of the One life. of the two. Both are going to contribute to society in a great way. Do you know, here's my, here's my quick story of how needy I was. So I moved to Tallahassee and I was at this middle school, which was just not, it was a horrible middle school. Um, I won't say the name of it, but just like, it it really wasn't the school's fault. It was just, you know, it was just that place of like just insecurity and I could not find friends and it was just, the whole thing was just just middle school. Yeah. Middle school. Yes. Which by the way, my daughter has had the best middle school experience. And there's a part of me that's like, really? (laughs) What? That doesn't like, track. Hey, could you just tell me, get yeah. some tips on that? <laughs> I don't know. Um, but like, uh, I remember there was one girl who I really, she was like the popular girl. This is an awful, awful thing that I did, but I'm just going to put it out there. Uh, she was the popular girl. 
And I wanted so, if I was like, if I know, if she likes me, then that's my key in. Like if she likes me and she's cute. And I was like, oh, that, well, she just had a relative pass away. <laughs> and, <laughs> and you're laughing. It was a very sad situation. What did I do? I went up to her and I told her my sister had died. <laughs> <laughs> I said, I said, you know what? My sister just died. And I completely Do you want to go somewhere. <laughs> I understand what you're going through. By the way, she could have cared less. My sister, swinging a mess. My quote sister had died. But until, but then we went to high school together. And then for the rest of my time in Tallahassee, she thought I had a dead sister. Oh, thankfully, my, my sister is eight years older than I am, so she never came back in town. <laughs> but to this day, I think she thinks I had a dead sister. Um, and that's when you get to clarify someday, like, I'm, I should have clarified what she was dead to me. We were in a fight. <laughs> exactly. And so, exactly. so it's the absolute worst. I want to honor two things really quickly. If you can just hit pause. There's nothing to honor there. No, no, listen, listen. One is you having the fortitude to stop in the middle of a swim meet. Okay. That shows some real steely, some steeliness. Okay. Sure. Two, that you so uh, unabashedly lied. And then kept that going. There was never a time where you thought, I should probably circle back and just nope. kind of tell nope. Sheila that. Nope. And that, see, that is a kind of acting. That is a commitment to character. Yeah. Look, you never break character. <laughs> I, oh, I do break character. I was known on Veep to break character the most to the point where I was with Julie Louis-Dreyfus in a scene and I couldn't stop laughing. And she turned to me and she said, Tony, you know, you're not watching the show. You're in the show. <laughs> Oh my God! And I was like, well, Julia, it's a funny show. I apologize. <laughs> Look, Julia, we're thinking of the blooper reels. We're, we're, we're thinking of the YouTube hits. 10 That's years all from I now. care about. Oh my gosh. That's for the okay, money. Is. I'm going to watch these. Years. <laughs> oh my gosh. What do you know about acting? What have you ever been in? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Give me your resume, Julia. And then she gives it to me. And I'm like, okay, whatever. Good point. Okay. 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 All you need to say is one show, but I don't care. Okay. So Tony, this was interesting. I was talking to a friend the other day. We were talking about this podcast, and I told him that you're coming on. And he alerted me to something that I didn't know because he said, Oh, dude, Tony's so great. He said, You said, What a handsome man. And then he got quiet for a minute. I mean, it's not Johnny cool. handsome, but it's, it's, it's like <laughs> Johnny. It's not like Johnny Swimmer handsome, but it's close. Yeah, that's him. That's what, what we actually call him now on the street. But he said that, he said, You know, I think what, what was like Tony's first big break was the, was the VW commercial. Mm. And I literally was like, Wait, what VW commercial? He's like, dude, do you not remember the Mr. Roboto commercial? And all of a sudden, it was like, really? And I was like, oh my gosh! And so John and I watched it yesterday, and I didn't, I don't know how that that missed me that you did that commercial because that commercial I feel like was like huge. Doing commercials was a huge source of my income for years before getting Arrested Development, and I actually had it took me six or seven years in New York to get an agent to send me out for TV and film because they only saw me as a commercial actor because I was always the guy. Sorry, there's something beeping outside. I apologize. It's actually um, me. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I swallowed. Um, I'm delivering some things. Oh, <laughs> are you? No. I love, I love swag. Um, so I was doing commercials. I couldn't find an agent, and I was always seen as the. I, my type was literally. He's the guy who's not all there. Oh, yeah, yeah, I was yeah, yeah. described as like a dumber David Schwimmer. 
<laughs> Which can we not miss the irony of swimmer? I was like, I just want to keep circling back. Pretty dumb on the show, so I don't know what that. We're going to need you to go even dumber, Tony. <laughs> yeah, I was like, all right, you've been dumb. We need even dumber. But like, I don't know if, if there, no one's going to be able to see this because it's a podcast. But but this was this was my entire commercial career is just doing this. <laughs> Like, that's all. I just gave that face, stupid face. Just that's it. That's I mean, that, and then that was it. Then you just booked the gig. And Volkswagen, literally, some someone's being attacked outside the door. It's probably Volkswagen heard me say that, and they're like, oh, "Tony right. finally wants the car. Take it to piss." But did you guys know on Arrested they did a callback of that commercial? No. When Buster had his uh, hook, and I'm dancing to Mr. Roboto in the car, and my hook gets caught on the dashboard, and that was a connection to the VW oh, commercial. That is genius. So, was that commercial in particular especially helpful, or am I, am I just making that up? I don't know. I mean, I don't think so. I think it was more it was kind of the timing of it because I'd gotten a manager that was willing to send me out for stuff, and then a year later, the kind of this arrested audition came about, and I was a huge. Oh, that was a year after that. Yeah, it wow. was. And then I was a big Christopher Guest fan, still am. His oh, yeah. shows like Best in Show and Waiting for Guffman. And I remember reading the script and being like, oh, this is this sounds like kind of a Guffman-esque show. And but not thinking anything about it because I was like, this is kind of a long shot. And then put myself on tape. And at that time, you send your VHS tape to LA. There wasn't anything digital. Um, and then, you know, I went for a callback. They brought me out to LA, which was nuts. And then I booked the show and then they said, we're going to shoot the pilot while you're here. And I remember my first thought was I ran out of underwear. So I had to go to Old Navy to get underwear. <laughs> so I got underwear and I was very thankful for that Old Navy. And then, um, uh, by the way, this, this podcast is not sponsored by Old Navy. Okay, you're welcome, Old Navy. <laughs> okay. um, but, but then we I... will be reaching out. Okay, great. But then I came, I shot the pilot, came back, and then 10 days before I got married, the show got picked up. And I was told Martel, my wife, I was like, I, we're moving to LA after we get married. And she was a makeup artist on SNL at the time. And so she was like, what? <laughs> I'm sorry, that's not a part of the plan. But she was kind of ready to kind of move on. And so she was, she was thankfully excited about it. So, you know, John and I do really in depth research tony i don't know if you know that it's one of our it sounds like it yes mm -hmm. yeah um but one thing I, I literally like giggled from because i can relate to this so much and you were you know talking about the years that which i like by the way and i don't think it needs to be missed that, that you said quote, quote unquote i finally booked i finally found a manager who would send me out <laughs> for, i mean like i just love the idea of you have a manager like, you know tony i think we should wait a little longer You're like, but for what and he's like i don't know but it's gonna let's just wait let's don't get you out there yet You'll get it. You'll get it. Wait, wait for something like arrested. Yeah, let's wait for something to come in. I don't want to send you out yet. Oh, yeah. <laughs> don't I need to book gigs? No, no, let's keep you here. Let's keep you in the house. You're gonna be the best kept secret in town. <laughs> yeah, I know. And the, the truth is, like, no one literally even knows who I am. Like, yeah, yeah. You're like, this isn't working. Is it? No, I feel like it is. Trust me. Yeah, there's no horse behind the gate that's ready. Like, <laughs> no one's seen anything. <laughs> yeah. So, so, and I, I got so much joy from this. Namely with people, I think when I think about people going to have such success like you have, is seeing on people's IMDb page, and this really got me giggling, quote unquote, wisely driver, quote unquote, homeowner with demons, quote unquote, mailman, quote, and my favorite, quote unquote, Sam number two. 
So yeah. you weren't just you weren't Sam number one on uh, whatever the two. TV show. You were and I think in the last Transformers, I don't have a name. I think I'm just I had like pretty good scenes, but I'm like engineer guy in the lab room. <laughs> I'm like Michael Bay, are you not going to give me a name or just so? so and the reason it makes me laugh is because that's so equivalent to what John and I do. You know, like like the version of that we were laughing about yesterday, John and I is like the NACA show, which is like the National Association of Collegiate something, and it's kind of known to be this really tricky thing where. You know, you usually in your like second or third year of playing music, you get booked and it's good playing shows. Like you'll go play and like you're getting paid $2,000 for the first time in your life. And you're like, I have hit the mother load. But they're like, yeah. And it's one kid who meets you at the parking lot. And you're like, you're you're like, I have been running these songs. I got. And like this kid doesn't even go to school there. He's like on the wait list. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Or he's 17. He goes to high school, but his sister goes and she just bequeathed the role to him to book people. So, so, you know, he, he's like, Hey, by the way, we need three hours of music. And you're like, Oh, well the contract said now he's like, yeah, I'm sorry. And here's a check. And you get, you know, great. And he's like, but you're going to be downstairs next to the bowling alley in a corner that doesn't have a light without a speaker. But dude, thanks. And you're like, you just do so many of those shows. And it's like, yeah. You know, and one of my favorite things that, you know, that John and I live in Nashville, one of my favorite things, it has to be the case in LA, is when you get like a bunch of friends together, the musicians. One of my favorite nights of my life was a couple of years ago, me and a bunch of friends sat on a fireplace and told our worst stories of playing shows. And I mean, I was crying like I could not. And because everybody's got them. And yeah. so it was so funny seeing on yours, which is like, there's a billion, you've done, yeah. you've been in a million things, but you go to the very, very, very top, the very, very, very top. And you have Sam number two. <laughs> you yeah. I mean? <laughs> yeah. And you, the thing is you have to, you have to love it because those, those genuinely are the times that you go, all right, uh, I'm going to commit because I'm going to do my best because I love it. And you just have to have these, reminders and then you end up having a great experience because i will say as you guys probably experienced in nashville it's like the things that kill creative energy are entitlement uh-huh. yeah arrogance yeah. yeah all that control all that stuff it just sucks creative energy out of a space and if you can if you can show up and be like you know what i'm here i'm gonna do my best and i'm gonna I'm going to try to, I'm going to love the people. I'm all that kind of stuff. It's like, it just makes it better. And you walk away feeling like, all right, I'm wise guy number two, but I did wise guy number two the best I could. Yeah. And you know what? The next time I'm here, I'm going to be wise guy number one. I'm going to be wise guy number one. I'm going to be Sam number one, you guys. So what was the first thing? Do you remember the first gig you booked that you were like, I'm calling mom and dad? Yeah. Oh, I do. Because I, I was, it was an MCI commercial where there was a devil and an angel on my shoulder telling me to um, use MCI or something. And at the time, MCI was a phone company. And I was so excited about it. It was my first commercial. And I told everybody, 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 everybody. Needless to say, it never aired. It never <laughs> so the whole family was like, we haven't, we haven't seen it. And I'm like, oh, no, it's coming. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. It's, coming. it's a national podcast. <laughs> And cut to, you know, nobody ever sees it. And then I was like, damn it, why did I say anything? And then I remember I was doing, uh, do you remember that movie Shine with Jeffrey Rush? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Well, Conan was doing a parody, and this is way back when he was in New York, and he had his late show. And 
I, they brought me in to play Jeffrey Rush on this skit after his, during his show. And I was like, Which is such, I get that. That's an immediate, yeah, I'm like, oh, God, Jeffrey Rush. no, this is great. So I, I told the entire family, I'm going to be on the Conan show playing this little sketch. All my family who typically probably like, these are, these are aunts and parents <laughs> that go to bed at like eight, you know, and they're like, okay, we'll stay up. We'll stay up till 1130 for you. Watching. Needless to say that it was cut. My sketch was cool. uh, and so just so just the shame of like Anthony, I watched the Anthony. whole thing. I watched the whole thing and I didn't see you. And I'm like, yeah, they uh, cut and, and all the narrative in my head is like they don't believe me. They don't believe that I'm doing anything that I'm bullshitting. You know, it's just like and they're like, all right, well, we stayed up, we didn't see it. Do you think this is a good idea to continue on with this career? <laughs> okay. Anthony just carries so much weight in that conversation. Oh yeah, Anthony, like, we didn't we didn't see it, Anthony. <laughs> I know, I know. See what happened, guys, is sometimes they have to cut sketches. Are you? Sure? It does, why would they cut you? Why would they cut a popular movie like Shine? I don't know, Mom. I don't know. It's just it's like <laughs> I don't know, it just happens. It just happens. That's the worst. Anthony, did you get the envelope with the money we sent? Yeah, exactly. sure yeah, I know. And then I thought the whole conversation was like, I don't know, guys, but did you send cash? Did you guys wire that money I needed? Well, I feel like in, in music, and I have to assume it's the same in acting, like there there are so many, there's so much that goes on. There's so many even successes, yeah. you could say, that are just not on the radar of the general public. You know what I mean? Yeah, like you have a number one radio single or something that's out there. You are up for a Grammy or something like that, or uh, you know, sing at the Academy Awards or something like that, um, which I, I did and was amazing. And um, okay, just, you okay. Know, hey, you know, hey, hey, let's hey. give you five minutes. Just, just uh, just lay it out first. <laughs> I remember <laughs> the moment Patrick Dempsey. No, okay. Um, oh wow, we're gonna pull in Grey's Anatomy guy. Okay. So. He has a deep catalog, Tony. Okay, it's not just crazy. Is that Big Steve or is that the other one? I can't remember. But uh, so I'm curious. Like, there's like a career happening that is not uh, in the forefront of like the general public. So, did you feel like that you were successful before people would have said like, "Oh yeah, I know who that guy is," or do you feel like you were late to kind of that feeling of like, "Okay, now I'm a I'm a legit actor." I can say to people at cocktail parties, I'm an actor and not feel like I have to put an asterisk next to it. For some reason, I, I pretty early on, maybe it was because I was around so many uh, people in New York, young people. We were cater waitering. I was doing every job that were also pursuing acting. So I was around a lot of actors. So early on, I would I didn't have a hard time saying I'm an actor. It wasn't like I was somewhere where it wasn't com. It was pretty common for people to be pursuing that. So I didn't have a hard time with that. Um, I will say when I got kind of arrested development or these kind of bigger jobs, I think I just learned a ton of lessons. And one big lesson was it's never enough where I think Jim Carrey said during the Golden Globes, he was giving a speech once and it's something like this. I'm going to murder it. But it, he said something like, I have two Golden Globes, but if I get a third, it will be enough. Mm. And then they they did a shot to the audience where you could see half the audience was laughing, kind of getting at it, and the half of the audience was like, a third will be enough. Yeah. yeah. You know, and it's just it's that disease of it's if you don't wake up to just the fact that I'm here and I'm 
I'm making ends meet as an actor or I'm pursuing it or I'm loving it. If you don't wake up to that is actually the big thing and it's not about whatever's coming, that I think the older I get, that simplicity is starting to get in my mind a little more. You know, like me talking to you guys is my big thing. Um, yeah, just yeah. that trying to embrace that. Yeah. If I can get to find that beauty of the ordinary, mm. then I feel like that is success for me. Because it used to be like, oh, even everybody's like, Tony, you're on Arrested Development. That's so great. And then, but in my head, I was like, what's next? What's what's? Uh, I got to keep this train moving, or I'm going to lose being. Yeah, relevant. I'm going to, I'm going to lose kind of being on the cool meter. I got to, I got to stay in the cool meter. And it's like, it's a never ending race. Totally. So what are the practices that help with that? Like what have you found to be the things that slow your brain down to be able to actually be present? Tremendous amounts of tequila. Um, <laughs> but what's the right amount though? I haven't found Thank it. You. Thank you. Yeah. You know what? There isn't. Uh, no, I, um, I mean, all my kind of, I did cognitive behavioral therapy for many, many years with my anxiety where just checking thoughts, uh, like if I have this thought of, if I have that thought of like, oh shit, what's the next thing? Um, just kind of being like, okay, well this, there's that, there's that obvious thought that I'm never going to work again. There's that crazy emotion that everything's going to fall apart. Uh, there's that crazy thought that my daughter's going to get kidnapped, you know, and just kind of learning to watch these thoughts and these emotions like cars on a highway where it's like, Oh yeah, there's that. And try to not uh, drown in them as much because I feel like I was drowning them and I just was never where I was. I was always somewhere else. So that's a big thing for me that I'm, I'm by the way, and I suck at this. I think I talk about it so much because I, I, it's a challenge for me. I'm right there with you. I mean, so your wife, Martel, you guys have been married since 2003, is that right? Yeah, 17 years. Yeah. So what is her role in that? Is she, because I, I deal with all the same things. My wife and I have been together since, married since 06. She is, you know, the voice of reason. Yeah. When, I'm, when I feel like I just wrote my last song and I'm, my career's, sure. I'm, I'm always six months away from not having a career. <laughs> totally. Yeah. totally. Totally, yeah. Uh, so what is her role in that? Like, cause she's kind of, she's in the business as well, which I could see being a good thing or challenging thing, you know? Yeah. I mean, I'm very grateful because she, having been in the business, she knows how, um, up and down it is. Yeah. And, um, also with my schedule kind of crazy, um, she has, she has not done makeup as much. She was, she was kind of ready to. Um, By the way, your makeup looks incredible. I was say, it's Thank gorgeous. you. She, her work is amazing. Thank you. You know what's crazy, guys? I'm not wearing any. What? No this way. is natural contouring. <laughs> Gosh. Uh, by the way, you want to look thinner, just get a beard. It's just like one big contour over. Well, it looks great. Sorry, I cut you off. Go ahead. But she, so she understood uh, the business and, and thankfully, um, she really, um, like being a parent, because since I travel so much, she's able to be home with my daughter and which I'm incredibly incredibly grateful for. But the thing is, as you know, in marriage, her anxieties are not necessarily my anxieties and my anxieties are not her anxieties. So we really do help each other in that area. And we're both, we've been in marriage therapy since we got, since before marriage. Which is so wise. <laughs> Good for you. That's so wise. We have been, we do a lot of therapy. We should probably, I mean, we, we could fund a small village with the amount of 
money we put into therapy. Um, but just to kind of, cause it's, you, you take two people with very different histories mm-hmm. and put that together and different expectations and different anxieties and trying to learn to navigate that. It's tricky. Well, you know, I, I think too, for, for, and I'm not saying that we're an exception, but I do think people that spend their lives in front of other people being applauded or make or entertaining, and you're used to a certain amount of feedback mm-hmm. in your life that's usually positive. I think our RPMs are a little different than most people's. And I think counseling and having counsel is a, is not especially helpful, but it's, it is very helpful. And I think for me, I can, no, get, I into, you know, I can get into little tricky moments in my marriage. And I'm kind of like, why are you not paying attention to me all the time and clapping when I descend the stairs? So I think more than your spouse, a lot of times, just a, a, a sort of little cadre of people around you that can kind of just keep popping the bubble so that your head doesn't keep, you know. I would say that definitely, but there's also being in the entertainment business, you there's a lot of facade about it and there's a lot of posturing. There's a lot of empty words. Yes is not yes and no is not no in Hollywood. Words are just thrown out just to appease people. And so finding those relationships where you know you 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 know what's not genuine and then you know what's genuine and you're like, oh my God, I need more of the simple genuine because you can just it's easy you 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 learn very quickly the difference. Very quickly. Hey Dave. Hey Jenny. So with everything going on right now, a lot of my friends have been asking if it's even possible to buy life insurance. Okay, so just real talk, your friends are, are pretty morbid. They're super morbid. Yep. Okay, well, yes, yep. you know that. Uh, I, and personally, I think I'm going to live forever. But if I don't, I have a secret for you, and it's called oh. Policy Genius. Oh, Policy Genius, you say. Yep. You know, I think I remember you talking about this on a previous episode. That means a lot to me that you remember that. So, and the good news is, I got three easy steps for you, John. Oh, okay. Yeah. Start so, with one. Okay, so one, head to yep. policygenius.com, enter some info, and in minutes, you'll have quotes to compare. Step two. I knew you were going to go with step two next. Well, it, I knew it, it. It makes sense. Okay. Apply your lowest rate, and guess what's right after that? Step uh, one, two, three. Yep, boom. Sit back and let Policy Genius handle the red tape and paperwork for you. So I guess I'm heading to policygenius.com right now to get started. I mean, it says I can save $1,500 or more a year by comparing quotes. So why wouldn't I do this, Dave? I, I, right now, I don't have a reason. that you There is no reason. There's no reason. So Policy Genius, when it comes to insurance, it's nice to get it right. Being in Hollywood, is that, and you think sadly about the stereotypical sort of arc of the Hollywood marriage, you know, which I think has gotten, and I know they're really great, successful marriages that have lasted such a long time. But but do you do you guys in your marriage feel any of that way? Do you ever feel that sort of, you've been married long now, which is like, you know, John laughed yesterday. It feels like, you know, 13, 17 years in Hollywood is like, you know, 75, you know, it's like dog gear. It should be done. Yeah, 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 yeah. But like, do, you know, you're at a party or you with your wife and you guys are talking, you're like, oh man, they aren't that couple didn't come as a couple or they, but you know, is there any of that that affects y'all's headspace and y'all think about that? Wait, that they didn't, uh, how people respond to us? No, like, just how you're always seeing couples that are dissolving. I don't know if you guys feel this. I, I know the work it takes to be married. Yeah. I mean, it's, I refer it the same way when like, if you hear someone in the faith community, who's a, who's a leader who, who has a big scandal, it doesn't surprise me anymore. <laughs> It doesn't surprise me because 
these people are, and not that they, they need to be held. Yes, we all need to be held accountable, but people are putting them on platforms. And if they do not have honest relationships and have honest conversations in their lives, well, of course they're going to make massive. I mean, you, you have to, that's a shitload of pressure. And if you do not check yourself and go, humans are not capable of that. So when I see marriages that in Hollywood that are, you know, exalted as like, do you put on this pedestal? And it's like, I hope that they have people that they can be genuine with. Cause if they don't, I mean, if they don't fall off the platform, it's surprising. Yeah. And that's you know, yeah. It's a tremendous amount of pressure. So do you feel any of that as a, as a Christian, as a believer in Hollywood, do you feel like as a believer, I'm sort of representing Christians like when I when I first started and signed a record deal with Island Def Jam the fact a that I was from Indiana that was treated as if I was like a small town farmer that also had a earlier life where I was rescued from a cult or something like that and it was like they were they were fascinated confused and excited about it all at the same time and the, the fact that I'm a Christian uh, was sort of the same thing treated a little bit less positively. They were sort of like, well, let's let's make sure we've got our talking points. We don't want you <laughs> yeah. going, quoting, quoting scripture. scripture, you know. Yes, 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 but yes, I, yes. I did feel, I personally, uh, unduly, but I felt sort of like I am the, I'm this crusader bringing <laughs> the gospel to New York City. The, you know, these people have never seen a real Christian before. I feel differently about it now, but uh, uh, do you feel any of that? I think I used to, but it was all my fault. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. I think much like you, I was like, um, hmm, you know, what is my purpose on this earth? And honestly, I think I pushed people farther away from God. <laughs> they were like, you know, just because I was not comfortable in my own skin. I also, I'm a huge disaster. I'm a massive work in progress. So I, I'm a, lo a lot more honest about that. And like, if people want to talk about faith, I love to talk about it because it's, it's everything to me, but it's not something that I, I don't burden myself with trying to control somebody else because I can't control right. anybody else. Yeah. Um, it's just even crazy to think that I could. It's also tr frustrating when I will say, especially with politics, my, my faith has been attached to a certain side of politics which is uh, very frustrating Amen. and i if that Maybe does come up <laughs> exactly yeah, yeah. Um, and so if that does come up i like I've, i was re recently talking about this on a podcast of Wait, you've done another podcast i know this is not my first guys yeah, what? Hurt, but, yeah, i'm a ahead. podcast whore <laughs> um, no, but i am um, i mean trump came up and and associated with my faith and a lot of my family is, is are Trump supporters or whatever. But as from my perspective, when they were asking about faith and that um, I should probably shouldn't have said his name, but whatever. It's like when, when his, that politician came up, um, when I read, when I talk about my faith, God says about the fruits of the spirit and the fruits of the spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's what should not should, but that's what hopefully comes out of somebody who is following God. When I can't see one of those fruits of the spirit um, in someone who is supposedly like a leader in the faith community, I do, I do question that. 
I'm not even saying I'm working on two or three of those fruits of the spirit on a good day. But when I can't find one of those, please don't associate that personality with my faith because that's not how I define my faith. Yeah. So that is a conversation I don't mind having, especially in this day and age. Yeah. 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 There's some of this natural, but I would imagine, especially in Hollywood, you're living as such a, you're living on that razor's edge of representing a million things, being in a place that has a million thoughts. And so I can't imagine how tricky navigating that is because you don't, you know, I think, I think my struggle in those conversations that I don't want to be, you know, lumped in with this thing, whatever that thing is, but I also don't want to, you know, push so hard against it that people are like, Oh yeah, cool. Then you're, you're just like everybody. And it's like, no, I do have, you know, it's like trying to navigate. Like, you know, I have things I believe. You know? That's a great point because it's also, am I trying to protect my image or am That's I right. really That's trying right. to, cause I don't want to come from that perspective, but I also, my faith is everything to me. And when it's being painted in a picture that I have a hard time connecting my faith to, I'm like I, it's hard not to it's hard not to speak up. Also, at the t- same time, knowing I'm a huge mess, I'm a work in progress. You know, I'm as broken. I'm hugely broken. But to your point of like, I hope that I'm not coming from a place of just oh, how are they going to see me? But like, man, this my faith has been colored in a way that I don't like it colored. Yeah, yeah. So as you know, this is, you know, this is Dadville. We're dads. All of us, we're dads. This is a great transition, by the way. So, so something that, that I'm really fascinated by in, in your marriage and, and, you know, you have your wonderful daughter, Boy, which is the coolest name. Yeah. What's ever. the story on the name? I've never heard that name before. It's cool. It's cool, right? Yeah. So it's a Southern, it's on my wife's side. It's a Southern family name. Okay. My sister, my sister, my wife is my sister again. <laughs> You're wait, 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 so I think sorry to hear about your sister, is it your by sister the way. Dad? <laughs> yeah, my wife is my sister. Um, no, my wife, my wife, it's, it's all line of Loy's in her of men Loy's and Loy, my daughter was the first girl to, to take the name. And so we were excited about that, but also her brother was named Loy and he passed away. So we named Loy in honor of him. Oh, that's so great. Before y'all had Loy, was there something where you were like, we want to kind of, you know, because you're, you're, you're in the acting community, you're hustling, you know, we're always hustling in what we do. Did y'all have a benchmark where you're kind of like, this is where I want us to be before we kind of think about kids or have a kid? Or was that just sort of the natural? I think it felt we had gotten married. I was I was 32 and she was 37. And we had been married for about two or three years. And it was just kind of a natural thing. To be honest, we had a hard time having trying to have kids. And so we did um, IVF and were it was successful. And we, we, were, we had Loy and we just kind of felt like, we didn't really want another, <laughs> but, we, but it was, but then again, it wasn't really a conscious choice. It was kind of like, we just kind of felt like, yeah, let's, um, I don't know. We just didn't really pursue a second one. And having her and, you know, your profession is so interesting to me because it's, I, I think I don't recognize this enough in the time that actors put in, but so much of it is location based where you're gone. You know, you shoot a movie for a month or two or you shoot a show. Yeah. You know, and, and you have Lloyd as your stars really beginning to rise. Was was that hard? Was that, you know, because I feel like to me, I'll say this, I think acting especially, it's like when that thing catches, if you're going to do it, you you just got to, you got to go. Yeah. You know, you, Again, it's hard to say no to gigs. Yes. Because yes. When, you, you, when you've lived a freelance career, I've lived a freelance career for almost over 20 years. Yeah. 
and almost 25. And it's like, you, you get very used to just, if somebody says yes, you're like, I'm in. And so it's hard to say no, and especially early on. So yeah, there was a lot of travel involved, but we kind of did that kind of goal. I mean, try not to go more than two weeks without traveling back. Sometimes that was difficult if I was on the East Coast and it was just like a weekend and you just, but you had to do it. It, You had to do it, but at the same time you realize it was harder not to because I'll never forget. It was my daughter's, um, I think she was maybe two or something and I was traveling and I had to miss her birthday. And just that like, oh God, this is the worst experience because I'll never forget she was she might've been younger, but she was looking at the computer. We were Skyping or something. And she looked behind the computer to see if I was there. Uh, uh, and then you're just like, yeah, I'm going to go. <laughs> I can't. It's Stuff like that. It's just too tough to even walk through. So it's worth, you know, flying a day and then flying the next day back. You know, it's just too much. Absolutely. I assume it takes a lot of intent, intention, right? Like you guys are really happy. Yeah. And then like, I mean, there was a time when she tried to hug the screen and all that kind of stuff. And you're like, well, her father's a screen. <laughs> She's a robot father. It was a couple of years ago where I did a tour. It was the first time that I did a tour where I was flying to almost every show. And ironically, I did it in an effort to be home more. I kind of did like the weekend thing where I was, I was leaving on like Wednesday, flying someplace I'd get back on Sunday or whatever. But I did this for like five, six weeks. And my daughter one day drew a picture and my Amy and I were FaceTiming. She was like, you got to see this picture that uh, Luca drew. It was an airport, which I thought was kind of sweet because we're like, we're driving to the airport as a family a lot. And we kind of had all these sweet moments. We had a lot of time together. I was like, this is working great. Mm-hmm. And she, she was like, this is where daddy lives at the airport. Oh my gosh. John. <laughs> <laughs> just a, and then you're like, does anybody have any cyanide? Because I just, uh, I'm going to take that instead of my coffee today. It's one thing if I screw up when I'm not, I don't have my eye on the ball. This time I was watching the ball the whole time. And now she her, uh, she thinks daddy lives at the airport. You no, know, and, and it's sad like when, when early on you say, hey, sweetie, so I'm going to, I've got to, I've got to leave town again. And then the first question is how long, how long this time? And you're like, uh, Oh, wow. Okay. Um, you know, it's, it's, those are tough, yeah. but that's, I will say, I'm not saying I did great at this because the whole being present thing, but when I tried, when I was home to make the most of that time when I was home um, and she really, uh, we really spent quality time together. And honestly, I, I also look back to that time because even though I did travel a lot, arrested the month that arrested got canceled in 2006 the same year you got married i okay so the same month that the rest got canceled i bought a house and my daughter and loy was born oh my gosh and i was like ha. and then i did a small <laughs> show with andy richter called andy barker pi we did like six of but other than that before veep I, it was gig to gig and during the time it was like oh my gosh i've got i mean there were there were twice that we thought we would have to sell our house it was a real struggle and I, during it, you're just like, it's so stressful. But I look back on that time, I did travel. But during those real formative years, I had a lot of time with her. And I'm very, very grateful for that. So was there anything that switched when Loy was born? You know, you mentioned at the very beginning that you, 
you're always dealing with trying to be present, which I think we all deal with. Was there anything once Loy came on the scene? Was it like, okay, now I've, I feel like it's a little bit easier to be present? Or in those moments when you're acting and you're looking for the director for approval, et cetera, et cetera, are those moments any easier? Because it's like, look, I, I'm falling back on a golden parachute or a net, whatever my analogy is here. It's like, I have, I have Loy and Martel at home now. I can only, my day can only be so bad now. Does it make life a little bit easier? Um, if I'm honest, it's a, it's a daily wake-up call. Uh-huh. It's tools like this therapist I worked with saying to me, when you are checked, when you find yourself checked out, um, activate your five senses. What are you smelling? What are you seeing? What are you touching? What are you hearing? You know, it's like, and I would have to touch my shorts. I'd have to listen to what I'm hearing. I, what am I seeing? I have to activate it because I'm somewhere else in my head. So it is, it's a daily practice to do that, to also remind myself, this is where I am. I'm talking to Johnny and Dave right now. That's where I am right now. This is where I am. Because I don't, I don't know if it, maybe it does get easier in the sense of that's a little more of a cognitive response where that does come to me more, but I still have to do it all the time. Like I'm with my daughter. This is where I am. I'm with my daughter. I'm listening to my daughter. Um, and then I can, it's easier for me to engage with her because I mean, how many times has, I mean, she, I have, she is the best. My daughter is the absolute best. And there are times I'm fully in it. And then there are times when I've had a rough day and my mind is somewhere else and my anxiety is taking me somewhere else. And I just have to constantly wake myself up. I have a real struggle when I'm putting the kids down to bed at night there, there, if I'm not careful, there are a lot of nights where I'm like, another day went by and I didn't engage. Mm. Oh, well, here they are, and they're you know, they're going to be a quarter of a centimeter taller tomorrow. And I didn't enjoy that they're this beautiful little thing right now. And now, you know, and it's it's much like you have struggle with being present too. And I think that is that's kind of one of my tactile moments every day where I kind of feel like, okay, that actually today went better. Putting them down to bed, I don't feel that sort of guilt of like, God, they're just growing up, and I'm not engaging. You know what I mean? I'm around. I will say one, one reminder for us all. I'll tell you what we don't need more of is shame. Oh my gosh. Our our shame closet is mine is packed. There is not an ounce that U-Haul is just full. Yeah. I don't need any more than that. The self care of like, you know what? I'm doing my best. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm really trying. I'm, I'm screwing up, but there's grace like that. I don't do enough of because that actually, it makes me a better dad yeah. when I give that grace. Yeah, you know? that's true. Uh, yeah, I think you could say that for the rest of our time and it would be valuable because I think that that is that is a profound thing that is hard to navigate. I laughed, you know, I laughed the other day thinking about this. It's like, what happens if I could like fast forward and sit with my kids 30 years from now and be like, hey, was I a good dad? And they're like, you're a great dad. I'd be like, for real? <laughs> again, I was like, God, because I just stressed out about that so much. Or cut to or cut to Loy goes, ah, you're all right. You're okay. <laughs> you're like, like, you know what? That's a win. That's a win. That's a win. That's a win. <laughs> I'll take it. So I think it's really cool that you um you won your two Emmys after becoming a dad. And not only that, but mm-hmm. like you are you're further along. Cause how, how old is Loy right now? She is 14. 14. So you won your Emmys while she's old enough to sort of know on some level 
what this means for daddy's career and like daddy's been working hard at this and was she do you feel like that was a part of it and how did the two compare because at you know she's two years older your second one so was she more a part of that celebration or did she does she care i don't know if she even thinks (laughs) which is probably good it's probably good yeah, for you know. Yeah, because like oh, we're the my wife has an Emmy too for makeup. Jeez, uh, from her town in New York, and so with these uh, they're in our kitchen, and right next to it is like Lloyd's certificates from school. <laughs> so I think I think she walks in the kitchen. She's like, yes. I really also I really respect that you've been holding both your Emmys this entire time. <laughs> yeah, so, people can't say that, but that's great. And the fact that you can scratch your face so effortlessly. My shame closet is too full. I need to carry them around. All the time. <laughs> One of the things that, that I'm so fascinated by, uh, you know, because and, and, you've had the success, you put all this time into your career and and but you have this family, too. And this is a constant source of fascination with me, because I think one is really good to talk about. But two, it's it's just it is how is a parent that is having success that lives in Hollywood? I mean, a lot of our friends here who who have a lot of success, you know, in Nashville, they're big musicians and artists. I mean, what is that like being a dad? Um, and, and, and I think with Loy, you know, she's seeing this, she, she sees you on TV, she sees a cartoon, she sees daddy's in the magazine or, you know, daddy's in jail again. <laughs> I feel like, um, but you know, like she's seeing your life and she's seeing, you know, her friends probably know, like she's got friends at school, like, Hey, I saw your daddy on TV last night. So there was a movie we watched and I, you know, mm-hmm. How do you deal with, like, how do you as parents, the both of you guys, as y'all are in a city especially, that really has a whole autonomy for that, and yet you have this daughter, and you got to be, you know, there's some way to think. I mean, how how do y'all navigate that space? What is that like? I think we don't. (laughs) Loy is really the best, but she, like, for instance, this this is an example of my daughter. If, like, she's saying something of maybe I think she's her, she's distracted. And then she'll just turn to me. She'll be like, dad, she'll go, dad, I know be present. Like almost saying like, shut up, dad. I get it. So it's, I think there's such a, uh, there's probably such an anxiety in me of her not wanting to ha- to see so much of that, that I probably overcompensate uh-huh. to the point. I don't give her enough credit that she knows what's real and what's not real. Uh, yeah, right. well said. I need to give her more credit. And like, she's a good kid who's very genuine, cares about people. She's a human being. So she, you know, she makes mistakes, but like she, she, I need to give her the credit. She knows the difference. She knows what's real and what's not real rather than what I tend to do of like, if somebody mentions something I've seen, I'll fall into the trap of being like, Oh, it's not a beat. You know, it's, it's fine. Like, I don't want to talk about it. You know, that might be giving it more power by not talking about it. You know, something I need to check myself. Yeah. And two, I think that, that, that we're navigating of like one of my favorite quotes, friend of mine always says is we lose what we don't celebrate. And I think also being okay with going like, Hey, I love that. That was fun. And, and this had success. Yeah. And isn't that awesome? Like, let's celebrate that this worked. Great. You mentioned, uh, you mentioned the two Emmys. Um, there's, uh, no, the, the reason I say that is because there's, there's, there is a big difference in those. Those that for, the first time that happened, I was so 
I was so freaked out and I was so um, nervous that I don't have much of a memory of that night. And I remember a couple years later when I was fortunate enough to have that experience again, I was talking with this therapist and he said, I want you to walk into the night because I think I had a lot of guilt for being there. I had a lot of, I don't know why I'm here. You know, I just had a lot of like, why am I here? Why is there so much going on in the world? Why am I giving this so much? Am I giving this too much power? And he's like, I want you to walk in. I want you to really take it in, take deep breaths. It's almost like I would walk into a situation. I would think if I care too much about it, I'd have guilt. And if I didn't care enough about it, I'd have yeah. guilt. So, I don't, so there was not, a, there, was, there was no win. And he said, you can walk into a situation and you can, you can say, I care and I don't care. Both of those can coexist. And you can walk in and say, this means nothing to me and it means everything to me. They can both coexist. That's great. I'm writing that down, literally. I know. So I walked into the situation. I, I kept doing that. And I looked around. And I took people in. And I was like, wow, this is crazy. And guys, that's the night I remember. I remember I remember that night. And I walk away with joy. And I, had, I, have, I have detailed memories about that. And it was a real lesson to me of like, I'm doing myself a disservice by beating a situation down rather than trying to not celebrate in an unhealthy way, but acknowledge it and be like, this is, yeah, you know what? Yeah, we are spinning on a planet and this is meaningless, but at the same time, it's pretty great. And those two things can coexist. Yeah. That is really helpful yeah. for me. Yeah. It's even saying it is like, oh yeah, I did have that lesson. <laughs> like, it's like, I forget it. Like, oh, right. it out, I go, oh, that was a good lesson that he taught me. I need to use that more. What do you, what do you think that guilt is? Cause I think I'm going to make a bold assumption here, but I think a lot of us resonate with that. What is that guilt? You say it so well, because you, you, I think people understand like walking in feeling like, you know, a lot of emotion, but I think feel, that guilt thing when things are happening well is a tricky, what is that? Do you think? I think I just, I get very existential mm -hmm. and I get, there's probably a lot of fear of like, well, this is the beginning of the fall. You know, what's around the corner? What's don't get too excited because it's about to fall apart around the corner. So just, you know, ease up. I think that's, I think that's a lot to do yeah. with it rather than being in the moment. I'm always looking around the corner like, Oh, I better not get too excited. And also just, I get like, there's so much suffering in the world. Yeah. And it's just that guilt of like, oh, I should, why am I giving, you know, it's that stuff. And the fact is me saying no to this is, is that me? Why would, am I trying to control? How, what can I, I don't know. It's, it's hard to even describe what the guilt is. It's just kind of a lot of not it's being a able to layered thing. Yeah. And also not accepting the fact that, yeah, people see the highlights, but man, life is tough. Life is really, really hard. And I've had a lot of tough times and I can celebrate those peaks in life. Um, it's okay to, you know, I mean, it's my, my favorite book. One of my favorite books of all time is Heinz feet on high places. Oh man. And it's an allegory about this little deer named much afraid. Who's trying to get to the, to the high places and meet the shepherd. And she goes through all of these valleys and stuff like that. And she meets, a flower named longing to be loved and all this kind of stuff. But it's a really beautiful allegory. And one of the main things which we've heard a lot about is, you know, the stuff really grows in the valleys. <laughs> like the, you get stronger and I'm grateful for those, those valley moments. But at the same time, I don't want to get to the mountaintop and be like, Oh, I feel bad that I'm not. It's like, no, I, you have to balance it. I, I have to learn to celebrate those as well. It's, it's sad that that's more of a challenge for me.
It's easier to be like, oh, I'm suffering. Things are really hard rather than being on a, a mountain and being like, oh, wow, this is, this is pretty great. Is that something that you talk to Lloyd about? Is that like being a dad? Is that one of the things that you try to circle back on? I do. I mean, she's, I'm sure your kids are the same way. Golly, so much more present than I was at that age. I just feel like she loves, like today she's babysitting for our, um, our cousins and just loves it. Like can't wait to come to Birmingham and babysit her cousins. And that is just like the day, you know, she's every, it seems like she's just, it's moments. She's like, Hey, let's go get um, a milkshake. I mean, that's like, that's like (laughs) everything, you know, whereas my head's I'm checked out somewhere else, but she's just like, it is, it is moment to moment. And I just, I just watch her and I'm like, gosh, if I can have a slice of that. Yes. You know, amen. I think that it's a victory for you as a dad that you should celebrate that. Because one thing that I've learned most with this podcast and the interviews that we've done is how much we, or I'll just say me, how much I put on my own struggles onto my kids. Oh, yeah. I think they're struggling with something and I'm concerned with it. But in reality, I'm struggling with that or I did at that age or whatever. And I'm just projecting all my stuff on them. Oh, yeah. But I think it's I think it's a victory that when you do the whole like be present, you know, Loy kind of thing. She's like, Dad, I've got that down. We're good. <laughs> you don't have to worry about that. You know. I know. Stop your sermons. When you were talking, it made me think of. Um, I'm sure you guys have heard of helicopter parenting and uh-huh. all that yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah. Have you? There's a new term called snowplow parenting where you remove obstacle, all the obstacles in front yeah, of her. Yeah, yeah. And I completely get that because it's any challenge I see her facing, I'm like, <gasps> I got I to gotta get it out of the way. Yeah. And then I'm like, and it's the obvious reminder of, I, I wouldn't be who I was without all the challenges in my life. Yeah. yeah, I play the characters I play well because I've struggled with anxiety in my life, because I was bullied as a kid. Like that's, I'm not saying, Loy is, has gratefully not been bullied, but it's like when she's faced challenges, I, I can't make it a goal to remove those. She's not going to grow. Yeah. Right. You know? Right. So a couple more questions. One, one of which I have, which you've spoken to the struggles we have throughout this podcast about things we just kind of struggle with. Do you th- feel like there's something that you are especially really, you especially enjoy or feel like, man, I, I feel like I am, I'm doing my best in this and it seems like it's really working. As a dad? Yeah. I would say I'm empathy. Wow. To the point where <laughs> maybe sometimes she doesn't want to come to me because I'm going to be like, oh my gosh, that's really hard. You know, it's, <laughs> yeah. she, doesn't of, she doesn't want a long understanding. <laughs> I would say that, but I would say more importantly, which is a miracle because I consider myself a very sensitive person. When she wants to talk to my wife about stuff or she doesn't want to talk to me or she doesn't want to, it does not bother me at all. That's it does not that is not a sensitivity of mine because I understand that there are things that she wants to talk to my wife about that. She just doesn't want to talk to me about when she's angry at me. I'm kind of like, I don't treat it as though, like if there was a, a peer in my work who was angry at me, Oh my gosh, I would be, it would just undone. undone. Oh, yeah. But I feel like there's a really strong foundation with her that when she's upset at me, it just doesn't, I mean, I want, I want it to be made right, but it doesn't overwhelm me. It's like, well, foundation there. So if there was one moment that you could pick 
to go back to some moment that you and Lloyd shared, um, not to go back to redo it, but literally just to go back to relive it. Mm. What would that moment be? Is there any that comes to your mind? Um, there is, oh man, you know, she's in an age now and I, I adore this age, but she's in an age where she's pretty, she's pretty embarrassed by what, by everything I do. <laughs> I mean, the number of times where she's like, dad, you have to like, dad, you're embarrassed. Like you're embarrassing me. Like fully, fully saying that out loud. All the and time. when, when did that start to happen? I'm just curious. I mean, it's been a good couple of years. <laughs> I, I just want to know how much time I have left. I know, but it is just like, and she used the word cringy. Like you're, that's, that's really cringy. Yeah. Like you got, yeah. <laughs> and then, and then like literally she'll say, she'll say, don't come in. I'm, I'll come out to the car. Don't, please don't come in. Uh, yeah. And I'm kind of like, all right, okay, that's, that's fine. I feel like I should thank the parents for having you over. <laughs> She's like, no, no, it's going to do more damage to <laughs> And she, she's genuine. She's not even doing it because she's got some YouTube person. <laughs> do not come in. <laughs> so if I could go back to the time where I come home and it is just like, I mean, just wants to hold my hand at the mall, yes. just like loves me yes. and just, uh, I, I, I know that's going to return. <laughs> During maybe dance with me when you're in your wheelchair at the mall and she's pulling you around. Is it a trade-off though? Is it like, yeah, I lost that, but there's this other stuff that now we have. That's a great question because there's a trade-off of humor. Uh Like she, she is a funny kid and she gets my jokes and we laugh at stuff that we're both laughing at rather than me laughing just because I'm pretending to laugh at what she's doing is, you know, like if she says, dad, knock, knock. And I'm like, Oh God, another knock, knock joke. I can't <laughs> right. I'll laugh. Um, now we're both laughing at the same things. Yeah. So it's like, that's a nice, it's nice that she's getting that humor and I'm getting her humor a little more. Does she, does she watch shows? Does she watch your shows? Like we all, you know, Not really. she, I have not gone to the place where I've watched Arrested Development with her because it's still a little weird. Like that character, Buster, is so checked out and got <laughs> it in that space. Um, but we, we're just going to start Parks and Rec. I want to start Parks and Rec with her. We actually have been watching this show once, which was on ABC. It was like a fairy tale show. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We really enjoyed watching that together. Um, I think we just like we'll watch YouTube videos together these tiktok she's really into tiktok i do not understand it at all i don't i don't know what you're doing yeah but we'll watch like funny things together that we both yeah. think are really funny yeah yeah I, i'm always curious about that season when you know your child when you do what we do and you're entertaining when they sort of go oh like wait a second so you do that because my friend watches that and that's yeah. your show and you're like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh she, yeah, that's cool. yeah, yeah. She does. I think the gift of maybe being a child whose parent is an actor or whatever is there's also a detachment for her. She does not have. She. I don't think she attaches me to Forky. She doesn't attach me to Arrested Development. She doesn't attach me to. I mean, she's never seen Veep, but she doesn't. She doesn't attach me even to like a show she watched that Lemony Snicket on Netflix. Yeah, yeah. She doesn't really attach me to it. And I think that's kind of a gift the same way I don't attach myself because she sees a different picture. Uh-huh. Cause I mean, if that, if that had been my dad, that was the voice of Forky and I'm, 
a child at all. I mean, I could have been 18. I still would have been like this, but I'd have been like, me and uh, my friends are going to go sort of see this one. I don't know if you guys, I don't know if you guys know that's dad's voice. Okay. I mean, whatever. <laughs> yeah. yeah. She will come back from school and say, oh yeah, some of my friends said something about, I guess they watched Arrested Development, but she, I, to her, she's just kind of like, yeah. I, and then, <laughs> then we talked about, you know, the latest YouTube craze or something. You know, it's not, and she's still like, and there are yeah. kids at her school whose parents, a lot of parents in the entertainment business. So it's not a yeah. oh, gotcha, gotcha. thing, which I'm, I'm thankful for. So we have a couple of questions as we sort of close out these interviews and I'll ask you the first one. So buckle up. These are, these are, these are poignant. Okay. Okay. Great. I'm, I love this heavy. Okay. So what is the thing that will make you feel like a successful dad? I think I have moments like that when I see outside of even me initiating it, which is happens all the time. Now, the way she treats people uh, in life um, and I'm doesn't know I'm looking. Oh, I love that. I, I feel like I genuinely say that's the grace of God because I know that my foundation is I've dealt with a lot of things and I'm, I'm, I'm grateful that she has known to do that. All right. And last question. Here we go. What do you want Lloyd to say at your funeral? Oh my God. <laughs> Take a moment. Um, uh, what do I want my Lloyd to say at my funeral? Um, I just wanted to cry. No, um, I, uh, <laughs> um, I'm such an actor. Was like, what's the emotion? Were you guys crying? <laughs> Like how many people, how many people were crying in my funeral? How many people, how many people were there? It? Exactly. <laughs> uh, can I watch it in heaven? Like how many numbers? Um, I think how I would, you know, talk about a very very dear person in my life, just as a, a genuinely, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think I hope that she would, just like as a as a connection, you know, as a father. I'm sure you guys can relate to this. I've made so many mistakes of saying the wrong thing or approach like i was i was had a pissy day and i didn't react the way i should have you just pray to god that those things are dissolved in their head and those just far off land and are never remembered and i uh i just hope that yeah i hope that happens and i think it does happen i mean i I love that with my kids they uh, they instantly all that stuff is erased yeah 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 Yeah. So thank you, Tony, for your time. Oh my gosh. So, so fun. But there is a way to do these video interviews where you don't stare at yourself the entire time. <laughs> because I, look, it's if, like, if I, I had so that beard, I'd be staring at myself the whole time. Thank you. Look at that. Look at that furry contouring. Yeah. Um, I think out of this whole quarantine situation, the Zoom, we're not Zooming, but hiding yourself helps so much because it's this natural default of like, God, I really look old, you know, or just like (laughs) you're, you're just constantly watching yourself. Yeah. And it's crazy. Anyway, you look great. You do. And I, and I think what, what we're, we're taking a lot of things away from this podcast, but I think maybe what, one of the things people need to really (laughs) get, you can't get that. You can't do it. (laughs) (laughs) He's gone. Sorry. sorry, Tony. Dave, Dave is gone. <laughs> Just you and me. One of the things that people need to really take away from this podcast is this: some of us are in a swim meet in our lives, and and 
it may be just time. <laughs> stop swimming. It may be it's time up. Time up. And stand up in your pool and say, I'm exhausted. exhausted. You know what? What I hope also people take away from is, Dave, when you start laughing, it almost sounds like you're about to throw up <laughs> because you go, you go. To come out in like projectile vomit. The problem, the problem, and I think what that is subconsciously is uh, my laughter is so inertia based. It's like once it starts, it's so oh, yeah. hard to stop. So I have to really, I'm a professional. You're a professional podcast yeah. right now. And I could giggle for a solid three minutes, but I really let myself think I'm <laughs> Giggles are the worst on camera. When you're on camera and you can't stop the giggles, oh. it is. and the worst is when it's late at night, everybody's ready to go home. The crew is just staring at you like, I don't have time. Oh, yeah. yeah. And you can't. You can't <laughs> you're talk, you're talk. Do you remember? Okay, I have one more question. Do you, g- give me three of the hardest times you've ever laughed. Like, you couldn't, do you have a memory of like moments where on any of these shows where you're like, I don't know that I'm going to get it back together? Yeah, there was one. Um, I can only remember one. Uh, there was plenty, but I think it was season one of Veep, and Julia's character Selena was telling Gary, my character, to to break up with her boyfriend for her. Oh yeah, I know that. <laughs> I know that she was sending me to say you need to go break up with him, and I was like, what? And we were so close in proximity, and I my whole body was shaking because I wanted to start laughing, and I couldn't laugh. And I have never had had to have such self control because if you watch the blooper reel, I think it's on YouTube. We just fall apart immediately because I can't. Ha- just having her breath telling me that, and I'm like, this is impossible. Like I don't even. This is like is this, this is like Ripley's believe it or not that I can stand here and not laugh at you telling yeah, me to break up with your boyfriend. In that close, that close, in that close. Yeah, Th- those times too, because you know you're not supposed to laugh, and that boy. You want to laugh right, but then you everything in your brain you're fighting that don't laugh, and then your body's like, oh, let's laugh. And this is what you do: you go like she's talking to me. And I'm going, mm-hmm. <laughs> you're just yeah. lit biting yourself into oblivion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I still think one of the hardest things I've ever laughed at in my life with a blue reel is in, in the British office when David Brent. With it's one of the very first scenes of the very first show, and they they did 75 takes, I think, where. <laughs> You know, uh, Mark, this one when he goes, mm. that's dude, that scene when he points, he yeah. has the guns. It is, yes. it is, yes. is it Martin is, that's playing the other Hobbit guy? Is, is yes, you know, yes, Martin Freeman. Like, they have like 25 takes, and he's like, okay, he's like, stop, tell me what you're gonna do, tell me exactly what you're gonna do. He's like, okay, on <laughs> point. He was like, okay, he's like, yes, I swear. And then he doesn't do that. And then it just, oh. <laughs> and it just keeps showing the, you know, take oh. 70, take 73. And like he's just it makes me laugh. So have you seen? I just watched. I just showed Loy um, the Debbie Downer breaking sketch uh, on when they go to Disneyland on SNL. Oh, no, I haven't seen that. Oh, Johnny, please do yourself a favor. Just like type in Disney Debbie Downer on YouTube, and it's and it's a scene with Lindsay Lohan hosting, and they all break. It's, it gives me so much joy. It is so. And they just, at one point, they just abandon it. Like they just, they just forget it. Out. They forget it. And you <laughs> can even see Rachel Dratch's face just start to like everything is twitching. It's like the tremors. <laughs> yeah, the tremors. It's the worst. Uh, Tony, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. This was so great. Thank you. Thank you. One of these points, let's let's hang out at some point. 
I need to come to Nashville or something. We're in Nashville right now. You can get here in like three hours. I'm already you. drinking the Kool-Aid. You told me that you'd bring everybody to Nashville. It'd be amazing. It, it, a week from now, you're going to be sitting in LA. You're going to go, I don't know why, but I just feel like... <laughs> I like move like catty corner to you guys. Hey, guys. <laughs> hey, guys. <laughs> Here's your shirt. <laughs> All you wonderful, beautiful, kind people. Thank you so much for listening to the episode. If you have a second, please make sure to subscribe, rate, and write a review. Unless it's bad. Because that stuff really does matter. And please follow us on socials. You can find us everywhere at Dadville Podcast. Also, you can follow us each at Dave Barnes Music and at John McLaughlin to find out more about our music. Thanks for listening. Dadville.